Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Facebook. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. All right, well, welcome to another edition of Face to Face, and uh, I think I've done about five or six interviews now on my travels. This will be my final one here in Phnom Penh, and uh, this time you won't hear any outside noise. We finally found an indoor space to actually do one of the podcasts, and uh, we're here with a, a guy that I actually have known now for a couple of months, but only just met a few days ago. His name's Robert Scott. Thanks for joining us, Robert. You're most welcome. And, and we're going to get chatting in a minute or two. But Robert and I started dialoguing because I was trying to actually fly a ver- uh, find, uh, uh, um, 
I guess, a provincial flight, uh, a flight from uh, Phnom Penh, the city of Phnom Penh in Cambodia, up into a, a city up on the Laotian border called Stong Treng. And Robert was one of about 15 people who uh, emailed me back uh, very quickly and said, hey, let me see what I can do for you, and was kind enough to try to, when he found out that he couldn't find us a flight, uh, tried to get us a boat, tried to get us a car, actually found us a helicopter, but it was a little pricey uh, at $4,700. It would have been an <laughs> awesome experience. So from what little you've told me, Robert, helicopters are a part of your background. You, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Um, you, you, you're, you're in Phnom Penh, and I want to get to that question. What the hell are you doing in Phnom Penh? But I want to ask you about, about uh, or I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about what you're doing today. But before that, maybe your military background and how that connects to who you are and what you're up to uh, currently. Okay, well, actually, my military background, that's... Almost ancient history. It is, eh? But uh, you're a police officer as well. Yes, I was a former Alaska State Trooper. Alaska, right? And uh, I went went in the State Troopers when I finished my military time in Alaska, and I was up there until 1984. Okay. And um, working as a trooper till 1981, and then I had a uh, responding to a gun call one night, had a car accident as a result on icy roads, and uh, hmm. kind of banged me up a little bit, and you know. Alaska is a beautiful place in the summertime, but it's very, very cold in wintertime. Yeah, and uh, after those breaks in the bones every winter, I said, it's time to get out back to warm climates. Right. And uh, I had an opportunity, actually it was a work, work opportunity. I went to uh, India shortly after the Bhopal gas, gas incident. Oh, okay. Yeah. And because uh, yeah. uh, when I finished my trooper time, I went into private practice as a private investigator, insurance investigator and, and whatever. I was working for a couple of lawyers out of Anchorage at that time. And when the uh, gas incident happened, of course, everybody in the world was getting, you know, law firms getting, you know, come here and do this. You know, oh, we right, can make, of course. Yeah, the huge we, insurance. Oh, lawsuit time, lawsuit city. Yeah. Well, they realized that they could send me to India for a lot cheaper than to send a, an attorney at the, oh, the wages that the attorneys charge for. So I said, okay. So went over there in 84 and... Uh, it was very eye-opening, very thought-provoking, and, and a very kind of made your heart stop experience. And, what, and why is that? Because of what you saw because of Bhopal or because of the poverty, the, the, uh, the, the gap in between your culture and theirs? Or? Well, it was, it was a culture. It was a cultural thing. Cultural yeah. thing for me, just being from, coming from Alaska, from America to India. And where did you grow up? I grew up in the Midwest, Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, okay. Grew up in a dairy farm. So you're American through and through. American farmer. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. American farmer, military cop. Yeah. Green Bay Packers fan too. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, I won't hold that against you. Yeah. <laughs> the pack is back. That's right. Um, anyway, as I was saying in Bhopal, the thing that got me was, of course, you know, India. So many, many, many people. There's yes, there's, this is 1984, poverty and everything, but. Uh, the wind that night, if it had been the other way, other direction, they would have, it would have killed hundreds of thousands more people. Is that right? How, and how many died in that accident? They don't really know. Yeah, I'm sure. Thousands and thousands and thousands died. Yeah. And then there, there, there were the, the long-term implications as yes, well, right? Still, Birth defects and all kinds of things. Yes. And isn't the area still deserted today? That general area, you're right. Yeah. But they still have problems there because there's still uh, uh, leftover residue from the... Uh, when the 
chemicals mixed, yeah, sure. they're still there. They never have ever really had a cleanup. It's kind of like, I mean, you tell me if it's like this or not, but I, I remember my, my time in Vietnam and, 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 and the dioxin, some of the, uh, from the Agent Orange, some of the mm -hmm. chemicals from the, the bombings and, the, and the, uh, the napalm and so on was so, uh, it was so toxic and so uh, into the soil that in certain areas they would only grow rubber trees. Right. Because they couldn't grow vegetables because of the fear of it getting into the into the food and so on. Absolutely, S same same sort of thing. In that both same thing there. So you but, were there to make sure that the insurance claims were real, or well, basically that yeah. I, I I met with some local uh, legal people, and because uh, I guess you can call it a fishing expedition. Expedition. Mm -hmm. The attorney said, "Well, check this out. See if there's any." if it's going to be worth our time to pursue mm -hmm. this in the future. Mm -hmm. They knew it wasn't going to happen tomorrow. It's going to be down the road for many, many years. In fact, it was many, many years before they finally got a settlement, which still the Union Carbide got out of, got out of it. It was right. a sweet deal. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, yes, it was there. It was, the chances are there. But uh, I experienced some things I never thought. You, you, don't, you don't even think about it till you're there. You don't think about it till you're after there. And... Uh, Oh, well, we went to the scene, and, and uh, you know, sometimes you get these little intuitions, thinking, yeah, what's missing in this picture? What isn't... What isn't quite right. Right. Well, what wasn't quite right is this gas killed everything. You didn't have dogs barking because the dogs were dead. You didn't have birds singing because birds were dead. Wow. And, and then, how, how big would the perimeter, perimeter have been? Oh, it was... Thinking back now, it's several kilometers. Several kilometers. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember specifically right now. Right, I'm, I'm right. trying to imagine my mind, but it's been a long time. So it, it just it's a big chunk of chunk of real estate yeah, got affected. Yeah, yeah, it sounds. But like, like I said, with if the winds had been the other direction that night, it would have been a lot worse. I mean, it was bad enough. It was a terrible tragedy for those people. I mean, but uh, it could have been so much worse. I mean, and such as fate, I guess. So you weren't you weren't there on behalf of the of the Indians that were, no. were killed. Obviously, no. these folks wouldn't have had insurance policies. No, this basically I was going up at the request because these two attorneys I worked with had gotten all these emails and what well, you know all this. Hey, come over here. We got this. We got that. Basically, they sent me on a fishing expedition to say, hey, you know, go check it out. See if it's going to be worth our time. What can we do? Can we look forward to would, the future? Would time? have been telex, wouldn't it? Telex machine yeah, back yeah, then? Yeah, yeah, email, yeah. That's email. before email, no, yeah. No, that's before email, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, fax. you know, you are the military, right? Yeah, te uh... Telex and fax machines, yes. Yeah. But, yeah, it was... Uh... So that was kind of your first big international kind of uh, um, private eye-like... Uh, yes, uh, it was. Incident. Yes. It, yes. Yeah. I'd been doing stuff in, in Alaska and in lower 48, uh, right. missing children, things like this. Right, uh, right. Tracked on a... Tracked on a one interesting case went this uh, nurse had been told by the hospital don't say anything about a, is it, a guy had been a, been a pedophile and I tracked him from from Alaska to Arizona to Texas to Louisiana and then uh, from Louisiana he went to Tennessee yeah Tennessee but he, he worked in, he, he was, he was a, uh, like a medical, not, not a nurse, but like a nur uh, nursing assistant, whatever. So he had access in the hospitals and, and he worked in the children's ward. And he was, he was a pedophile, which is what it turned out to be. 
and uh, he also worked with some of these uh, summer camps hmm. with uh, children with right. with uh, not birth uh, mental not mental problems. Uh, how do you say this? D- disabilities. Dis- of a, me- of yeah, a mental disabilities. Sorry. That's yes. the word. Yeah. Yes, and uh, he always kept ahead of the law, basically. Mm-hmm. Somebody, you know, he'd always step ahead, step ahead, step ahead. And finally, it turned out that uh, I, I tracked him to Tennessee, and he went to work. I guess he's getting tight for money. He went to work in uh, an old folks' home. Well, of course, he didn't have any targets. It wasn't, yeah, no it wasn't, children to exploit? No, no one to exploit there. But uh, he, he worked there for a while, then he kind of dropped off the radar. And um, all this had come about from when he was in Alaska, took, him, took kids on a summer camping trip, and that's when he, he, he had sexually assaulted a couple of these kids. Well, the nurse at a hospital in Louisiana knew he wasn't, there wasn't something right about this guy and tried to say, you know, tried to tell people management, hey, this isn't right. Well, no, 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 it's okay, don't, you know, stifle it, stifle it, because they were concerned, well, we might get in trouble for this. Well, just by accident, I ran into her, and uh, she said, I don't want to talk to you now, but can you talk to me later? We can do that. So 24 hours later, contacted her. She said, come to this coffee shop. Very covertly, she mm-hmm, didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. Ended up talking to her, and she says, yes, this happened, this happened, this happened. This. She, had, she had dates. She oh, had wow. dates. She had dates. She, she, so she, she knew. She knew this guy yeah, yeah. was going on. And... Uh, that was kind of the, the proverbial straw in a haystack that I found, and everything started tumbling down. Right, right. And I got on the phone to the, to the law firm I was working, working for in Alaska at the time, because they, they were representing the family of one of these kids that had been abused. Oh, I see, yeah. And I said, this is the lady you need to talk to. She has everything. And I said, I've got, I got hard copy in my hand, but I said, you should talk to her right now, because she's worried something's going to, you know, could happen, whatever. It's just, no problem, put her on the phone. Bang, 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 and that was it. And that was... So was this a, uh, from the family's perspective, they were just looking for justice, or was this, uh, they, this was a loss, lawsuit against this particular guy? Both. Both, yeah. Both. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. he'd weaseled out in Alaska, got out of it, and uh, kept avoiding everybody, keeping, keeping one step ahead of the cops, and finally he, his, his luck ran out. So, this... was, so it was like your favorite show in the 70s, The Rockford Files? <laughs> Actually, Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I. I was a huge <laughs> Rockford fan. In fact, still am. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I occasionally, Jim Rockford, will watch. Them, mm-hmm. And I just, his sense of humor and, mm-hmm. and just uh, everything about him. I mean, obviously, that's a pretty romantic idea of what it's like to be a private investigator, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Yes. A lot of your time is just sent, sit waiting, I would imagine. A lot of, a lot of us sit waiting. And a lot of times you're, you're kind of get a little... Tighten the change, you know, because work isn't coming in, you know, you right, got to, you know, right. paycheck to paycheck, whatever, you know, but, right. uh, but then you get the, get the good one, and then it's, you're okay for a while to the next one, you know, but uh, stateside, like- I've had some, one, I've had some very interesting cases, I've been very well paid for some of the cases I've done, and uh, such a variety, one of my high points was, was tracking this guy down catching, that really yeah, made me feel yeah, good, yeah, took him off the streets. A sense of, quite a sense of satisfaction for certain uh, things like that, whereas you're, if you're doing like a, a lawsuit for somebody who broke a leg, I guess, is probably not quite as, uh, mm. as uh, uh, satisfying as, as bringing in a guy like that. No, not really. But in a way, it is, too, because you want, you know, if the guy got hurt, say, broke his leg because of 
safety wasn't followed, right, things right, weren't, right. weren't, weren't in place, yeah, negligent sure, things. Sure. Then, you know, still you get that satisfaction too. Yeah. But when you, can, when you can actually catch somebody has, you know, going back to being, former being a state trooper, being a law enforcement officer, some guy has gotten away from the law, has ducked it, got out of it, beat the system, has got, always been a step ahead of the cops. Yeah. When you grab them, that's a real good feeling. You, yeah, took, you sure, took, a, sure. took a scumbag off the street. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Excuse me, yeah. Yeah. So you, so Wisconsin, Alaska, um, you were in the military uh, uh, during the 70s, I believe. Yes. Isn't that right? 70, you wound up in Bhopal, India. You've, you're currently in Cambodia. You're married to a Thai woman. Yes. Um, but, you know, you're very white <laughs> and you're very American. So what the heck? How Have you got this love for international travel or, you know, and, and I still want to get to why you're in Cambodia itself. But uh, I was bitten by the bug. You've been bitten by the bug. Yeah, right? when I was India, that was, okay, it was very, made me realize how cheap life can be. Right, right. But it opened my eyes to there's so much in the world, so much to do. And I think, well, you know, if I can do this in Alaska, why can't I do it overseas? So India, back to Alaska, well, actually, you know, snow was blowing, it was cold. So oh, thanks, guys. Here's my report. This is going to happen. Give me a call. I'm in Thailand. So I came back to Asia, and I've been, been in Asia ever since, off and on, except for my brief... So that seven, was mid-80s? Mid mid-80s, 1984, yes. So you came to Thailand in the mid-80s? Yes. And then... Uh, I came to Cambodia during UNTEC in 1993. Okay. Uh, a very good friend of mine. UNTEC, United Nations. Transition Authority Command. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and that had to do with the political, the handing off of the, basically the, 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 the Vietnamese occupation to the, uh, um, I was going to say the former Khmer Rouge, but to the, uh, the government of Cambodia at the time, correct? Yeah, get, get, get the elections yeah, going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Khmer Rouge are finished. Allegedly, Wasn't, um, was Romeo Dallaire here then as well? Do you remember that name? Canadian uh, general who served in Rwanda in 1994. I believe he was part of that mission, but I, uh, he would, would, have, would have been with the UN at the time. That's quite possible. The name doesn't ring a bell, but at the same time, it's, yeah. it has... It, yeah, it, he went on to something. write Shake Hands with the Devil. He's yeah. the guy who was in Rwanda trying to raise the call to genocide and what was going mm -hmm. on between the Hutus and the Tutsis. Hotel Rwanda was made, and yeah. you know, but anyway. Um, were you doing work for the UN at the time? No, I was, I was working for a company that was supporting the UN. Oh, I see. Through uh, aviation, uh, we had aircraft that were you know, flying folks around. Also, you know, general supplies, you know, Im, uh, importing things, whatever, things like that. And uh, the company was in, was in existence until UNTAC. And in fact, I put the last containers for UNTAC and the last vehicles for UNTAC on the ships in Kampong Sam at the end of 1994, actually December 30th, and watched them sail over the horizon, going to Sadaheep, Thailand, where they're going to hook up with more ships and more equipment, and we're off to the uh, Bul uh, off to the uh, Balkans mm. for the next UN mission. Oh, I see. Okay. So, and it was very funny driving down to Kampong Sam that that week to do this job. Because at that time, UNTAC had, they had different countries in, under the UN had different portions of Cambodia where it was under their control. Well, they all had these different camps laid out, you know, very nicely, you know, nice containerized living quarters, containerized offices, radio towers, whole nine yards. While driving down, all this was in existence. Driving back, all of these camps had been stripped bare. Mm -hmm. 
the locals that went in and they'd taken anything that wasn't nailed down mm -hmm. or welded down, it was gone. Wow. They just stripped everything, you know. UN yeah. was gone, we might as well put it to use, grab yeah, it, take of it. Of course. Yeah. Was, was, uh, was that mission successful in your opinion, having been on the ground? They were here really to 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 uh, oversee the elections. Help help the elections happen. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I've heard a lot of negative criticism about the UN coming into Cambodia and how it drove prices up and how rents went through the roof and how you know they came here in their fancy Land Cruisers and their Toyota um, pickup trucks and so on and really blew things out of proportion as a result of that and you know all the other implications and all the other problems that occurred as a result of this you know. Uh, over, um, you know, wealthy group of men basically coming into a country like this. Yes, and a lot of these countries that were represented, were representing the UN, were third world countries. Right. And all of a sudden, here are these guys in the Cambodia getting $150 a day per diem to do per whatever. Per diem over and above their yeah. wage, or their yeah. $100,000 a year wage, or whatever. That well, just your, your normal soldiers, you know. The guys are you know, private back in Uganda might be getting 30 bucks a month if he gets paid at all, and all of a sudden he's $150 a day per diem. Yeah. He's going to go crazy. He's going to have a good time here in Cambodia. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, in fact, everything was a dollar, dollar beer, dollar this, dollar that. It was, but yeah, it was overall, they could have done better. Overall, it didn't really solve anything. Right. It, right. Just, held, it just held off the coup for a few years. For a few more years, which was yeah. in 97, right? 97, yes. You were here in 97 then? Yes, I was. And how bad was that? Was it as bad as I've read? I mean, I know there was fighting out by the airport, tanks on the streets, a few people died. Yes. Uh, was there a fear that the Khmer Rouge were coming back? Was there a, a sense that war was going to break out? There was, there was concerns that it was going to get, that it could have gotten bloodier than it did. Right. They thought it was going to go more of an all-out war. Uh, where I was living at the time, I, have, I had bullets come through my roof Does because I heard wow. people were shooting over my roof, and I guess they weren't always the best shots in the world, so I had a couple of rounds come through the roof of my house where I was staying. Wow. But uh, it was serious. Yes, there was tanks in the streets. The tanks were destroyed down on, on the way to the airport. Yep. The, the first uh, overpass that you come over, at that point in time, that used to be just a major intersection. There was tanks. There was one tank was destroyed right at that intersection. Across, as you come down over the overpass, you see a gas station on the left-hand side. That was a very small gas station then. There was another tank was destroyed in that gas station. There's two tanks there that, we, that belonged to the uh, Prince Randrits operation. Right. Okay. Yeah. And. Um, <clears throat> Of course, once the shooting kind of calmed down, I'm out running around checking out what it is, you know. Yeah, sure. I went out to the airport, and uh, I remember a gentleman had borrowed one of the uh, motorized stairs for the uh, going up to the airplanes. You know, oh, yeah. He, yep. Stepped, yep. Oh, he, he was driving down the highway, going down the highway, heading toward uh, Kampong Spu with his uh, motorized chair. Sounds uh, like steps. a scene out of Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> heading south. And then coming back in, I had an old Jeep at the time, and coming back in, I got stopped by the, uh, uh, I guess it's called the CPP troops. Right, yep. Well, of course I'll give you guys a ride. You have guns, I don't. Hop yeah. on. So I ended yeah. up coming in from the airport. I had an old Willys Jeep, which was open as canvas top. I had uh, one, two, three, five, six of us inside, five more on the hood, and one guy's laying up on the canvas top. 
Wow. All with uh, AK-47s? AKs and whatever. Yeah. Come on into yeah, town. Yeah. yeah, come on. I'll give yeah. you a ride. Well, that's kind of like today. You'll yeah. see that every now and then today, even <laughs> yeah. in the streets. Yeah. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess <laughs> they not. They come back in, and then they say, oh, come on, you got to see this, got to see so that. So you've, you've really seen Cambodia through some ups and downs over the last 15, 20 years. I guess 20, you've been here 20 years. Yeah, 93. Well, actually, I, I, took, a, I took a break in, in 2003. That's when I went off to Iraq and Afghanistan. And I came back here. Right, and, I forgot about Iraq and Afghanistan, yeah. <laughs> I came back here in uh, January last year, 2012. And it was a shock for me, being gone for 10 years. I guess so. And I said, wow. And yeah. if I had come in, I came in daytime, you know, and landing, I said, well, this, this Pochentong airport, it just, yeah. you know, because everything's built up around it. Before, yeah, sure. that was wide open. Now, it was it's, everything's open. built yeah. up. I even remember that. Like, yeah. I mean, I've been coming here for 10 years, and yeah. the, the changes are significant. But then when I come in, came into town, I said, if it had come at nighttime, I would not believe it was in Phnom Penh. It, it's, yeah. Well, it, I think there are pros and cons to that. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay, hang on. Let's back up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're in Cambodia, but it looks like we, we skipped a step or two. Yeah, we got uh, away 2013. from, from tell me, tell India me to Iraq, here. Yeah. Iraq and Afghanistan. Do I need to ask what you were doing there? Okay. Or can I sort of infer from, uh, you know, the last 15 years of American history? <laughs> <laughs> I was supporting the, uh, the U.S. operations in Iraq. Right. Were you going to say occupation? Or is that what you were going to say? Actually, we were liberators in the beginning. That's right. Yeah, but no, then I'm when, just kidding. Yeah, I'm a Canadian over here. Yeah, Don't but no forget. problem. No, I just I saw saw the change happen. Yeah. The yeah. moment they realized, you know, when they they liked us as liberators, but the moment they consider us occupiers, it all went downhill from there. Is that right? Eh. Yeah. And we. Well, and would, do you think they were Robert? Do you think they were justified in that in some regards? I mean, so liberators uh, from the images that we saw on television to to. I mean, who am I to presume to know what actually happened there? But uh, at what point? At what point did that shift? From from your recollection, from Americans are great, isn't it wonderful? This is about freedom, democracy, etc. To what the heck are you guys doing in our country? And get out. Yeah, that's about it. Now you're trying to control us. You're, well, you're occupying us. We can't yeah. do this. Can't do yeah. that. Yeah, sure. you're in charge for what? And and when did that shift from your perspective? How did you see it on a day to day level? Or was it a was it a racism towards you? Or were <clears throat> Was there a, a change in, uh, I don't know, the way people reacted to you and so on, or or were there just uh, more more uh, more battles that were occurring? There was well, there was more resistance to more the U.S. forces, yeah. and I don't know U.S. forces, you know, the coalition forces. I mean, the Brits were getting hit, you know, whatever, you know, it was happening. I mean, all of a sudden, they we weren't their friends anymore. We were their enemies, and you know, they can blame this person, blame that person, and. But the fact is, we, we should have went in. Well, we went in, we should have got out. We should, never should have stayed. Because mm. it hasn't solved nothing. Right now, what is happening there now is the same thing that was happening in 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007. As soon as the Shiites go on each other, yeah, it's no change. Well, the only difference is we're not in the ground there. We're not in the ground, yeah. 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 But it's gonna... And so what were you doing there? As a, as a, what, what was I, I was, PI doing there? I, I was just doing security work. I was working... Uh, for a company out of the States under a DOD contract, providing oh, okay. security. So are you telling me you were a mercenary? Is that what you were saying? <clears throat> no, I was a security contractor. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, were you, uh, you've told me recently about another contract that you're heading off to, to uh, you're looking at some of the work that you do now. You really do sound like a security consultant in the sense that you're going in to make sure that the premises, the area will be secure. You're looking at things like uh, video camera and, 
and uh, security locks and doors yeah. and those kinds of things. Is that is that what you were doing while you were in Iraq? That kind of that, work. That was part of it. Yeah. yeah, a lot of you know threat vulnerability, threat vulnerability assessments, TVAs. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, anywhere from like electronic surveillance, electronic security systems, up to just guards walking the perimeter. I see. Yeah. Uh, P walls here, bunkers here, barriers here, whatever you know. You know, force, force protection materials in the right place, being utilized the correct way. Uh, entry control points, are they efficient? Are they effective the way they're set up? Or can they be changed? What changes should be made? And like you mentioned, video cams can put a camera here, camera there, things like that. How do you go from being an insurance private investigator to doing that kind of sophisticated, uh, well, maybe not more sophisticated, but sort of more focused and detailed work for the DOD? Is it just a job you applied for? Or, well, or it, it, did they come after you? It, it came with the job, basically. I see, okay. And again, you know, like I've been doing a lot of things, but at the same time, I'm always, I'm always learning more. Sure. I mean, that's one great thing about the internet, and you can learn a lot of stuff on there. And I've, I've taken online courses. I mean, I got, finally got a degree after all my years of you know, trying the university here, university there, because, you know, I'm moving around, moving around. Mm -hmm. And I finally got, put my mind to it, got down, worked hard, Online courses, got a degree out of it. I got uh, degree in what? Security management. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, well, and I guess too, you look at your CV: Iraq, Afghanistan, Bhopal, India, Alaska <laughs> Trooper, etc. I mean, it's a a pretty rich uh, and eclectic background. So, with that, along with the degree in security management, I mean, it sounds like you're kind of the guy, you know. And you've been in Cambodia I hope so. and on the ground, <laughs> and you got this international edge and, yeah. and so on. It almost, in a way, adds credibility without even trying in a way, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Just uh, that level of experience? I guess you could put it, say that, but I, I you know, I, I hate to, you know, toot my horn and pat my back, say, oh, credibility, you know. You never stop learning. Right. Because there's something new every day. And one thing I, I have learned being in this business is the bad guys out there are always improving too. So you always have to be right. one step ahead of them outthink them, and usually the way to do that is you have to think like them sometimes. Right. And a lot of my work I did in Iraq is how do I get into this? How would I get into that? How can I get around this perimeter? How can you have to think like the bad guys. And then, then you think, okay, if we can do this, I'll do that. Counteracts almost like a, it's like a chess game in real life. What's his move? You hunt your counter move. Right, right. Like that. And then, and that's, you know, and, and hopefully you win. So do you, you know, you have to think like a bad guy. Do you, do you, do you trust people? Assume nothing, trust no one. Okay. To an, you to don't strike extent. me as that kind of guy. Yeah. Like, to, you know, we, know maybe we had an email exchange and we <laughs> kind of got to know each other that way. And then we met at the, at the, uh, at the hotel uh, here in the city. Um, but that's how you pretty much behave, is it, with, with everyone? Yes, you trust them to a point. I think, you know, I, at my age, I've, you know, I've, I've met all kinds of people in my life. Yeah. And I hope to meet all kinds more before I die. But you learn to read people and you learn to feel, listen to your, your intuition, listen to the little voice in the back of your head telling you this, that, whatever. And uh, yeah, you can't say you don't trust everybody, but you don't trust anybody. You have to watch the person, read the person, and listen to your feelings. 
And then, so, so then, when you say listen to your, you mean like your intuitive sense, your, yes. and that's just based on your experience of being able to compare this person to that person and, and collectively saying there's something not right here, or I can, I can go further. Absolutely. And trust this person more. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We all have that, I guess, to some degree, right? It's just, we all do, but human nature is people don't, don't use it. Right. It's, and that's too bad because every other species in the world, Every other animal, they use all everything they have, all their senses. It's their survival. Humans have gotten it, have gotten it so easy in their life that they let all these little things that are natural to them, they don't use them. And then that, a lot of times that's why they get in trouble or have accidents or, or this or that. Um, craziest just, investigative story that you can tell me um, without having to kill me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Never happened. Um, Yes, I was doing uh, working for a lady, a real estate agent in Alaska, and her husband supposedly was uh, had a had a girlfriend. Okay, had a what kind of girlfriend? Had a girlfriend. Had a girlfriend. And he, and he supposedly, supposedly, and she wanted me to find out, you know, follow him, whatever, you know. Well, he happened to be an attorney, by the way. Okay. So you have to always be extra careful when you're doing something against an attorney, <laughs> yeah. because attorneys are attorneys. That can backfire on <laughs> Absolutely. you in a hurry. You'll, all of a sudden, you'll have a private investigator on you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was um, tracking him, and I, I, I followed him from Anchorage to Sudatna, Alaska. Sorry about that. Someone's okay. calling. Excuse me for a second. Are they on to us? No. That's, We're being no. watched? <laughs> We're good. Um, and um, he went down to, to the hotel, to a hotel in Sodatna. He went by himself, but I still followed him on her. And um, he meets up with the girlfriend. Well, what happens? The girlfriend has a, has a problem. She, they're both driving separate vehicles. Well, she comes up, and I'm, I pull in there, and I'm just getting out of my car. I say, oh, sir, can you help me? I said, yes. Well, she's having my, there's something wrong with my car. And it, it turned out she, she had screwed up her ignition with, with her ignition lock and she couldn't get it, get it to function correctly. Well, I'm, I'm trying to help her fix that. Well, she comes on to me. Oh. <laughs> and she says, where do you live? And I says, yeah, I'm in Anchorage. She says, well, what do you do? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, down looking at some property. I'm thinking of buying, buying some land here in the Kenai River. Oh, uh, how long are you going to be here? I said, oh, probably a couple of days. Well, I'm staying here. I've got to meet a friend. I'm not sure if he's going to show up. He says, you know, I'm going to stay at this hotel. I'm, Why don't you come, come by later and we can go out for dinner or whatever, you know? I said, yeah, no problem. I can do that, you know? And I'm, you know, I know the hotel, you know, I'll, I'll give you a call. Well, I got, got her car working for her, you know? And I said, you yeah, know, have a good day. She goes in the hotel. Well, and it's the big, big front windows, you know, in the hotel, and I'm out in the parking lot, and I'm trying not act, trying not to be too obvious, you know, I've got my hood up, uh, trunk up in my car, I'm looking, I'm watching through here, and here comes the, the attorney boyfriend, oh, the big, big lovey-dovey here in the, in the, uh, the front room of the hotel, you know, and <laughs> holy smokes, and I'm trying, I'm filming all this, by the way, too, you know, wow, and, wow, and, wow. and she's just, you know, oh, like she, this guy's the best thing since ice cream, you know, and I thought, right, boy, right. this guy getting chump changed by this woman, you know, because right, she's out for right. anything that walks down the street. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're shortchanging yourself there a little bit. Yeah, so, and I go, and then, uh, 
they went in, went up to his room, you know, and I went in and got a room, and uh, got a room right next door. Mm. So and then I had to use some um, electronic equipment to uh, clarify and verify that uh, they were actually doing things that they shouldn't be doing since he's a married so, man. So are you talking like the stuff we see on, on, on the movies, like the little cameras that go under doors and those kinds of things? All of the above. All of the above, yes. eh? Is that right, eh? Yeah. And so this, my son would love to see your briefcase. And this is and this is way back, you know, this is the old high-tech stuff. Now. Right, right. Yeah. The new toys we have now, God, it's so much fun. I, uh, I seem to remember being in a war museum somewhere and seeing some spy stuff that was pretty darn sophisticated, even for 75, 80 years ago. Yes. You know, I don't know, maybe not, but... Recording devices, gun, like a gun and a cane, like yeah. these kinds of things. You know, yeah. the stuff that you see on Sherlock Holmes and you just kind of go, oh, that's a great imagination, but they probably don't really have that. But um, like you say, everything uh, everything, and, and, and then some. Everything starts from an idea. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I would imagine you've come across some pretty shady characters over the years. You've met, like you say, all kinds of different people. You've, you've traveled the world. You've worked in some really uh, um, extreme uh, conditions by the sounds yes. of it. What 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 do you think you've learned about uh, about being human? What have you learned about people? Never stop learning. Never stop never learning. stop learning. Huh? Yeah. If so, if you stop learning, you're cheating yourself. There's so much out there in the world. I mean, I'm I'm not a young person, so I mean, but I'm I will never stop learning. So what has challenged you to do that? People that you've met that don't learn. Would you say, or that are closed-minded? So you sound very open-minded. Yes, closed-minded people. I think, you know, people complain about this, complain about that, or they don't realize how good they have it compared to some people in the world and how much more they could do if they just made the effort to do it instead of shutting themselves off. Right, right. You know, and then blaming somebody else for their shortcomings because they're so stupid that they don't realize they could be doing, doing better right. if they just wanted to, whether they're lazy or just... Lack of intelligence, but you know, whatever. But yeah, never stop learning. And a lot of times, that's when I hear people say, oh, "I'm an expert." A guy told me a long, long time ago. He says, "Never listen to an expert because they stopped learning. They think right. they know it all." They think they know it all. Yeah. And yeah. Just, there's a great quote, and I forget who said it, and I should know it. But uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, everything that you learn after you know it all that counts. Yeah. Right. So you yeah. think you know it all, and then all that other stuff that just uh, yeah. starts to flow in. No, I think that's uh, that's very true. I mean, I, I teach at uh, Humber Humber College in Toronto, and it's I think and I hope it's one of the things I try to sort of pass on to the students is this idea of curiosity and and that there aren't necessarily set definitions for different terms in international development and so on, but that there are, there are works in progress. Oh and, yes, uh, you know, you're you're continuing to unpack and to peel back and and to discover. I mean. It's only a few years ago, I mean, I've been coming to Cambodia for about 10 years, but it's only a few years ago that I realized it was called the Kingdom of Wonder, which is so perfect uh, in so many ways. I mean, yeah. it's just this, you know, there's just so <laughs> Makes much. Makes me wonder every day. Yeah, just so much to discover yeah. here. And uh, uh, it's, uh, it certainly is a beautiful country. Um, how do you keep potential. busy in Cambodia? Like, who's hiring you? I mean, is it, it's not local Cambodians for a dollar a day. I mean, Oh, no, no. It's, it, it's uh, most of my work has, that I have done recently has been from overseas. Oh, I see, okay. Yeah. Insurance companies again? Again, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, a couple of debt collections, things like that, you know. I see, and is this, is this uh, Americans and Canadians and Europeans taking off and, and coming to hide out here in, in Southeast Asia? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. But uh, it's amazing what people 
you know, people don't realize that the world's small these days. Yeah. You can't yeah. run and hide anymore because it's, you know, the internet and everybody's out there, you know, just, you know, you can run, but you can't hide. It, so, you, so does that mean you're going to be out of a job soon? No. No? No, no there'll no. always be work? Always be work. Yeah. And there's other things to do, too. I mean, like, you know, yeah. Like we mentioned before, possibly going back to Iraq on something, you know, and go from that. So that's, that is possibly next for you, then? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but uh, you know, just, you know, what, you know, like I always said, just give me tomorrow. Yeah, just give me tomorrow. Yeah. So what's, uh, so other than uh, possibly Iraq, what, what's next? Back, back to Cambodia? Is this, is this, are they going to sprinkle your ashes in the Mekong River one day? Or? I don't know if it will be in the Mekong, but I'll definitely have ashes, yeah. I'm, I plan to be cremated wherever. <laughs> wherever you are. Yeah. 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 But you're not sure if it'll be Southeast Asia. No, I won't know until, well. You <laughs> <laughs> won't know until the time comes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, listen, Robert, thank you for, for taking the time to chat with me. I, 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 uh, I, I continue to be amazed at the people that I meet just every day. But when I travel, there's some of the interesting uh, folks and the interesting work. And I can't believe you were in Bhopal. I, I, in a way, I, I think we should have spent more time chatting about that. But really appreciate you joining me and, and uh, wish you well on your next tour. Thank you, David. I appreciate your time, too. And before you click that off, I want to say, mm -hmm, please. you mentioned about Cambodia being the land of one or whatever. Yes. I'd have to say one of the high points since I've been in Cambodia was back in the late 90s. I was a charter member of the Rotary Club at Phnom Penh. Oh, wow. And, Even uh, the Rotary Club here. Yes. And uh, during that time, we had the Polio Plus campaign. Yes. And uh, we went out on the river to get all the, uh, the uh, floating villages out there mm -hmm. to vaccinate the children. And uh, we had a translator with us and rocked everyone in the boats and we come up to this, this boat where this mother had an infant in her arms and two more kids, maybe two or three years old. And I'm thinking, holy smoke, this poor mom's got to get these, you know, all these kids fall overboard. They're going to, you know, drown, whatever, you know. And the translator said, okay, you know, in, in Khmer that we're here to do this. And this lady didn't know me from the man in the moon. She hands me her baby because here was somebody that could save her baby from having polio. Hmm. She, you know, she had enough words in the world about, you know, like her kids falling overboard or whatever. And here this, here this phalang, this expat, she just gives me the baby, please. And it's just, I just, you know, wow. Of course, I, you know, I, I put the drops in the, in the child's mouth. But I was just, wow, that was, that, was, that was one of the times, that's a high point for me, because this wow. lady put the, all her trust of, and her faith for her family in my hands. Yeah, just for that brief moment. That brief moment. It's amazing, you know, I've got uh, some stories like that. Part of the reason I do what I do is because of a, a man that I met in Eldoret, Kenya in 1989, and there was this moment of uh, grace and generosity and just friendship between the two of us. Yeah. And it's a story I've told many, many times, but it's, it's had such a significant impact on me. Just this little brief moment in time, this little thing, you know, yeah. that, that made all the difference in my life. And it sounds like, uh, do you remember this woman's name by any chance? I sure don't. No, no, it's, but, isn't that wild, eh? But it's and, just... And if we found her, she wouldn't be able to imagine the impact that that, gent that gentle and simple experience uh, oh, yeah. has made in your life. But, oh, that's incredible. But it was absolutely just like being like it happened yesterday. Wow. Right there. Um, but that was one of my high points at Cambodia. That's wonderful. Well, um, thank you and I uh, wish you well and all the best. Good. Thank you, David. Nice. Appreciate it.